This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Wednesday, May 13th, 2020, and my guest is no other than Elena Stone of Geekspin. Hi, Elena. How are you? Keeping my sanity in check. <laughs> Yay. It's been a little crazy in the last few weeks and months, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's been a, a really huge adjustment. Uh, working from home, uh, events being canceled, launches being canceled. Uh, so it's, it's been a lot. But I don't know if you noticed, we're still getting a lot of phones to review. Like... Actually, even though some launches have been canceled, some of them were just kind of rearranged in time and we still got our devices in the end. So that's actually what I want to talk about today. There is a couple of new phones that came out, the TCL 10L and 10 Pro. And I know you don't have them in hand, but you have played with them at CS, right? Yeah, so I, I well, not at CS, but I have played with a pretty early model uh, and I was impressed with them. Yeah, they are pretty cool. So my takeaway has been that if you're looking at a $250 phone, the 10L is the one you want to look at. If you're looking at a $450 phone, the 10 Pro is in that price range. And my takeaway is that, you know, they've made some pretty solid phones. I feel like, you know, the Moto G series, that's always kind of like the default $250 to $300 phone every year. Yeah. I think that the 10L is playing in that, in that field now. I think it's, you know, it, it obviously lacks the kind of history of Moto and the, the brand awareness, at least as a mobile device of Moto. But as you know, TCL is like the number two. I think they keep, they keep fighting with LG to be number two TV maker in the world right now after Samsung, which is kind of incredible. And so they're making phones now. You were, you were at IFA, you saw the Plex then, right? The first TCL phone. I did, I did. And, and they were really uh, kind of ahead of the space with their prototypes, but now they don't actually have anything in production, so that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, but the Plex was never meant to the U.S. market. What I think makes the 10L and the 10 Pro, and of course there's also a 10 5G that we didn't review this week, but it's coming soon. It'll be below $500 and cosmetically, aesthetically looks a lot like the 10L, just with bumped specs for 5G. These phones are really, I think the feeling I get, you know, global launches, but they're very, very much targeted at the U.S. market, like sold unlocked, which is kind of a ballsy thing, because if you, if you know anything about this, and I know you do, it's like, good luck selling an unlocked phone in the U.S. for the average consumer, right? Yeah, it's weird how that still hasn't taken off after all these years. And so I'm thinking myself to myself that maybe they can crack that nut. You know, I mean, obviously Moto has to some extent, the G series sell pretty well. This year we got the G stylus, which is kind of slightly more expensive and has a little stylus in it and slightly better specs. And then we got the G power, which is kind of like the, the, the bread and butter G series. And that one is for $250 is a really great phone as always. Um, but there are some things that Moto's done that I feel like kind of like going back in time a little bit like it's all plastic again you remember how the g series for a while was aluminum and glass like super premium and they've gone back to plastic and the 10l the, the cheap tcl or cheaper tcl of the two that we're talking about right now is also 
you know, it does look at first glance like it might be glass in the back, but it's it's a plastic like acrylic panel and then the sides are all molded plastic and it does kind of feel a little cheap. It doesn't necessarily look it unless you touch it and then you're like, ah, oh. but the nice thing is they put a case in the box. You know, one of those transparent TPU cases, but a high quality one, like a lot of Chinese phones come with. Yeah, I, I and you know, speaking of the quality, I, I did play with it, and I actually thought it was quite a nice phone for the price. It is, but I'm just surprised how we, for a brief moment of time, like a couple of years there, we have we're starting to have glass and aluminum phones at the $200 price point. That seems to have gone back, basically gone back to plastic. But I think in the case, it feels great. Like I feel like out of the case, you know, once you start using it, you're like, mm, yeah, this is definitely a cheap phone. But it, you know, it looks still. I think pretty modern and, and new. And I like the way the camera is all in the line in the back that they start that with a Plex and they continue that. And um, my, my takeaway is that right now, if you have to buy a Moto G series versus, you know, you're choosing between these two, it's a tough call. Like the TCL software is very, like it's very clean. It's not like stock as pure as Moto, but it's definitely nice. They have a bit more emphasis on things like, um, you know, media consumption because they're a TV brand, right? So they're they're like focused on like they have like a special chip in there that does like some um, SDR to HDR upscaling for the dynamic range and stuff so that you can watch Netflix and like really like have a great viewing experience. And of course, the display is made by TCL who makes their own displays on their TVs. So it does actually look pretty good. It's an LCD panel, but yeah, I mean, you saw it, right? What did you think of the screen? Yeah, I thought it was really good for the price. Uh, I, I had no complaints with it, and I think most people wouldn't. Yeah, that's kind of been my impression. So I think if you're you know, looking in that price range right now, the 10L is very compelling. And one thing that it does way better than any Moto G phone we've had in the U.S. for years now, which is every year, you know that I wrote the reviews for, for you, for Geekspin, for years. And the thing I always dinged them on was no NFC, remember? Right. Well, guess what? The 10L, the TCL phone, has NFC, so Google Pay. Wow, I, di I didn't realize that that the the G. I for I forgot that that the G was yeah. lacking that. Even this year, even the G series. Now you know they're no longer going by numbers, so it's no longer called the G8. It should be the G8 Power and the G8 Stylus, but it's called the G Stylus and G Power. Those two, no NFC, and the stylus is 300 bucks. So it's like, come on. You know, it's a few years ago. I felt like that wouldn't be a big deal, but nowadays no. that like you have Google Pay. I mean, especially with the pandemic. Yeah, it, now it's a necessity. Yeah, right? And so on the flip side of the coin, I think the one thing that Moto does better still is sound. I think that the st it's stereo speakers on the G series this year. It sounds incredible. It actually, I think, sounds better than the Moto Edge Plus, which we're going to talk about um, in a bit. But I'm surprised that like they, the Moto G has such good speakers this year. <laughs> it's like, what? You know? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, I feel like this 10L is is a pretty solid like I guess second start because technically the Plex came out and that was their first TCL phone, but it wasn't US phone. So, and um, it's probably the one I would recommend of the two. And I, I, we're going to talk about the 10 Pro in a second, but I think that you know because it competes straight directly with that G series and adds some really cool things like NFC. I think it's really it's really solid because of that, and and. Um, you know, it's a 665 Snapdragon, so it's mid-range, very, you know, it's not going to, like, break any records in terms of performance, but it's also not sluggish. I, you used it for a bit, right? So you know. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it was very brief, um, but it seemed fine for like just everyday tasks. Is it going to be good for gaming? No. <laughs> no, that's uh, exactly what I found is that like, you know, if you're just like doing your normal everyday stuff, it really keeps up with you. I was really impressed. And then, you know, you don't want to run like Warhammer or something on it, you know? I, I do wonder if this could be a good potential competitor for the upcoming OnePlus phone, the OnePlus budget phone. The Z, I think... I think that's a different league. I think that's more in the line with the 10 Pro we're about to talk about. For me, what I identified as competitors for this phone are the uh, Nokia 6.2. That's like 200 and something dollars. And then there's, of course, right now you can buy the um, Samsung Galaxy A51, which is this year's A series, uh, entry level A series for it's normally about four, almost $400. And currently you can buy it at Walmart of all places for 280 bucks. Wow. And at that price, I would probably pick the Samsung, even though it's $30 more because that's a whole different you know, dimension. Um, the other things that were pretty solid on the 10L were battery life. Um, it's got a 4,000 milliamp hour battery and it, it seems to go and go and go. And then um, the cameras, eh, it's not bad, but the main camera is good. Like it's it's pretty well sorted. It's the ultra wide that's really it's like basically an ultra wide just to have the ultra wide, you know? Like we can check that box. But ultimately it struggles dynamic range, it's really poor in low light. That's that's the, the ultra wide. And then of course there's a macro camera, which you know, whatever, the, the Moto G series have a macro camera this year as well. Um but overall, yeah, pretty solid. The display is really the star. The design is nice, despite it being plastic. The performance is good. Battery life is good. You know, yeah. I wish it had stereo speakers because it's such a content consumption product, you know? So which would you choose in that in that price range between the TCL and the Moto G? I think I'd pick the TCL right now, to be honest. It's a tough call, though, because I'm a sound person and the audio the stereo speakers on the G are so good. But ultimately, I know the average person. I'm not the average person. This play is trumps everything right yeah it's not that the moto has a bad display but it's that you can really see the know-how of tcl's manufacturing of displays and also tuning right it's uh it's lcd but it's still like wow so yeah and then the 10 pro as you suggested is mm -hmm. definitely playing in that realm of what might be the one plus z uh what that's what they're supposedly calling it or one plus eight light or whatever it's in $450 range. And that one competes, you know, with other phones that are very, very tough to compete with. The Pixel 3a, which is now heavily discounted. Even though you don't get as many cameras as the Pixel 3a, you know that that one camera is going to kick ass. Right. And then you get the iPhone SE in that price range. <laughs> Same thing, right? You might not get the display, but you're getting, you're getting a camera and performance and wireless charging and premium build. And like, I mean, you get premium build on the 10 Pro as well, so... And then the other competitor that I've identified for that is the upcoming Pixel 4a. We're not sure, not sure what's the deal with that one, but it's, if it's anything like the 3a or better, it's going to be a good competitor. And then finally, you know what? You know what costs $499 right now? That's impossible to ignore if you're about to put down $450 on a phone. What? OnePlus 7T. Oh, that's right. Right? So what do you do there? Like, you, you, you go from a Snapdragon 675 on the 10 Pro to a 855 Plus. You get three cameras in the back that are really three cameras. Like, one of them is a telephoto, whereas the, the, the 10 Pro doesn't have a telephoto. You get all that for $50 more, and you get OnePlus goodness. Like, I, I, it's a really tough sell, this 10 Pro right now. 
Like, I want to like it. I think it's a better phone by every measure than the 10L. But how do you sell that phone for $450 when you have the Pixel 3a, the iPhone SE, the upcoming 4a, the OnePlus Z that you mentioned, and the OnePlus 7T that's discounted, you know? I love that this space is getting so much competition because it could never have happened at a better time. This is like the best time best time so the 10 pro has an oled display with curved edges waterfall i'm not a big fan but it's not too pronounced there so it's actually manageable it is super sexy it's glass and aluminum it's really well made like you know it's definitely premium like if you didn't know this had a snapdragon 675 in it you think you would think this is like a galaxy s20 competitor you know it's like for there's sure no compromises it's metal and beautiful and glass and thin and feels so good in hand and all the things. And it's got a big battery, 4,500 milliamp hour. Um, but it turns out that I did battery tests side by side with both phones. The 10L and the 10 Pro are pretty much the same battery life. Just, you know, because of the different processors, I guess the bigger battery compensates for a slightly less efficient, faster processor, because ultimately you don't see any difference in battery life really. And then, the display is gorgeous, it's OLED, but it's also made by TCL, although their specialty is LCD. You know, you get the super dark blacks and the vivid colors, all the good stuff. And then uh, I'm trying to think, speakers are still mono, so I wish that really needs to be stereo at that price point. Of course, NFC. Um, Spec-wise, they're very similar. They both have six gigs of RAM. Um, storage is less on the 10L is 64 gigs, but there's micro SD. And then the 10 Pro is 128 gigs with a micro SD. Oh, cameras. There's a 64 megapixel camera, main camera on the 10 Pro. And it's really like every 64 megapixel camera I've used on a phone, Elena, is that stupid Samsung sensor and it sucks. Hmm. It's like, I would say that I would right now, short of some tuning, like if they tuned it a little bit, it would be better. But right now I think the 10L 48 megapixel camera on the main sensor is better out of the box right now without tuning. So... <laughs> That tells you something. But what I'm getting from all this is between the two, uh, the 10L is definitely a very attractive device for, for its budget range. And the 10 Pro just, I wouldn't jump on it just yet, especially not with, with the Pixel 4a on the horizon and OnePlus Correct. on the horizon. And the 10 Pro is super sexy. It's the one you want. It's it's the halo phone for the 10L. You know what I'm saying? It's like you go to the TCL store that, that I know they probably have stores, but I don't think they sell the phones there. They might have maybe one or two US TCL stores in the mall somewhere, since they are now beginning to be a big brand of TVs. And you imagine you had going to a TCL store, you see the 10 Pro shiny, shiny, and you go like, I can't afford that. And you buy the 10L and you walk away with the right one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on here. And I'm not saying the 10 Pro is a bad phone. It's just, you said you said it, it's in context not that great. Like it's, if it was $300, $350, it'd be a no-brainer. Oh, for sure. Right? Um, the 64 megapixel camera, again, it's just tuning and it's got a much better ultra-wide. That ultra-wide is usable. It works well. It's solid, even in low light. And then the macro has autofocus and it's five megapixels instead of two. So you can actually use that macro lens because I, any macro that doesn't have an autofocus on it is pretty much unusable because you have to be the one focusing by moving back and forth. And our eyes are not good enough for that, you know? The feeling I get here is that it's a good, very good first effort or second effort, first for the US. And that overall, they're, they're gung-ho. Like they want to be in this market somehow, you know? In this unlocked 
jungle of a phone market for the world. And of course, abroad, it's going to be okay to sell phones unlocked, but I'm not sure how successful they're going to be in the U.S. despite being driven by the TV brand. Personally, I'm more excited about their prototypes, their folding phone prototypes, oh, yeah. which I'm sure you've spoken about already on the podcast. Yeah, we did cover those. Yeah. The the rolling one, like the one that slides out, like kind of like expands, is very crazy to me. Yeah. And, and the, the fact that they tend to skew towards having more affordable priced phones uh, in a world where the folding phones are so expensive, they have me really excited for what they'll come out with eventually. For sure. But I still feel that they need the bread and butter. And it's why like, I really want them, the next generation of these TCL phones to, to outdo G Moto G series and be competitive with the Pixel and the iPhone if they can. Like they might not reach the camera performance, but I might be able to get close with other things that are currently missing. Like there's no waterproofing on either phone. At $250, I don't care. At $450 mm. on a premium aluminum and glass panel, at least give me nano coating. I'm not asking for IP rating here, but you know, I want a phone that I'm not worried to be using in the rain, you know, at that price. So. Both of them have headphone jacks, by the way, so you're not going to miss out on that, which is nice. And yeah, look, overall, read my review. It's on hot hardware. I think these phones are going to be, uh, people using them are going to be happy. Yep. So that brings us to more phones. <laughs> we have the Poco F2. So that's this is exactly, you remember how we were talking about like OnePlus Z and whatever, 8 Lite, like, this is a Snapdragon 865 phone with 5G and a triple camera system that costs $500. I have not played with this myself, but it uh, the specs on paper just look amazing for the price. So were you, did you ever get your hands on the Moto, not Moto, the Poco, the first one, the F1? No, I haven't. Well, I did. And at the time it was a Snapdragon 845 in a plastic shell with a dual camera system in the back for $350. Wow. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like, you remember when we were in Hawaii two years ago? Not last year. Okay. That's when I had it in my pocket. And I, we went on a little drive, like, not the road to Hana, the other direction, because it's in Maui. And we, I took a lot of my photos of the Poco, and I posted them, and people were like, this is amazing for $350. I mean, it's not like Pixel, but it's definitely better than those... TCL phones we just talked about. Now, that was the camera on the F1. So I expect the F2 Pro to be pretty decent in terms of imaging as well. So Poco kind of evolved out of Xiaomi. Originally, it was part of Xiaomi, and then now they kind of like spun it out as a separate brand. And if you look at the specs on the camera on this thing, it's actually kind of interesting what they've decided to do for $500. It's got a pop-up camera for selfie, whatever. That means it's got a really nice display. And then... I'm trying to see the specs for the camera here. You know our friends at GSM Arena? Yes. They are the masters of all specs. <laughs> if I need a spec, I just go over there. Yeah, I'm looking for the specs too and I don't see it. Okay, I found them. And so 4,700 milliamp hour battery. Wow. Snapdragon 865 with a 5G modem. Doesn't look like I have any bands for the US on 5G and it's sub six only. That makes sense at that price. Okay, okay, here are the specs on the camera. 64 megapixel. Okay, so my theory about 64 megapixel sensors being bad, mm -hmm. hopefully, is not repeated this time. 
Uh, it's got an telephoto macro. Well, they say telephoto macro, but it's a macro with autofocus, five megapixel and an ultra wide, 13 megapixel. And then a fourth one is just a depth sensor or whatever. But um, six gigs of RAM or eight gigs of RAM, depending on the model, 256 or 128 gigs of storage. And this display is an AMOLED for 500 bucks, 6.67 inches, no notches or holes because of the pop-up camera. Can you believe it? The specs are, like I said, really impressive for the price. And that's um, Poco for you. Like, I mean, Xiaomi in general, like Redmi does the same thing. This is actually a rebranded version of Redmi's K30 Pro, but discounted by 50 or $100, basically, if you look at it. I am very curious, though, about the camera performance, because that will make or break this, this device. For sure. And the last time, it was okay. So I hope that they can still keep it good. Because, I mean, look, some people also don't care, right? Remember the Axon ZTE that I reviewed? This is Axon 10 Pro I reviewed for Geekspin last fall. Sure. Do you remember how my takeaway was the camera kind of sucks, even though on paper it's got all, it checks all the boxes? But the price was so good for the performance that I figured some customers would be like, I don't care about imaging. I just want the super fast phone in my hand. This is, even if the camera sucks on this Poco, you know, that's basically what you're getting. Yeah, no, I think there are, there is a significant amount of customers that are, are like that and they don't care. Um, but the vast majority does care about the camera more than anything else. And, and that's probably why something like the Pixel 4a is going to wipe the floor. For with, sure. With and these that's other the problem, phones. right? Because these are such niche products. I mean, again, the Poco. So I love how Xiaomi, when they made the announcement, well, it's not Xiaomi anymore. It's a separate brand now. But when Poco made the announcement, I, I didn't watch it, but I heard, I read some, some tweets about it. They called it a global launch. The only way to get this phone in the U.S. is through GearBest. Uh, that's not quite global. That's not a global launch, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but but at the same time, it's available and it's a channel. But I feel like you know this is isn't unlike the 10 Pro from TCL that we just discussed, which will be sold at, you know, uh, let's see, it will be sold at Best Buy, at Amazon, and like it's it's going to be sold at major in major stores in the U.S. unlocked. Unlike that one. This Poco is not a mainstream phone. Like, I think this is a niche phone, you know? Like the yeah. F1 was, really. But in some markets, it's not. Like, I think that the Poco F2 Pro is, like, in India and in some parts of the, you know, um, East, Southeast Asia and stuff are going to be super popular. And that's why the camera better not suck, as you said. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I, you know, I've stopped paying attention to specs for to camera specs yeah. because it, it literally means nothing. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't, but it does. It's like, and it's it does, but it, it's like you said, like you, you, you've observed that 64 megapixels generally means poor performance. Um, but at, at the end of the day, the megapixels don't really mean that much. Um, and the pixel exemplifies it. Like the pixel still is my day to day phone. Yeah. Even though it doesn't have the best display, even though it, it's 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 not, it's actually f fallen behind so many most of the other flagships, but it's got the best camera. Yeah, and then you look at the iPhone SE, right, with the iPhone 8 camera sensor and of course the Superfire's 813 Bionic chip. It it it's better than the iPhone 10R for imaging. <laughs> it's like crazy. Um, so I think it's definitely something to be said about having good software for imaging and you don't need a necessarily a bleeding edge sensor to make it happen because you can throw enough compute at it, right? But I do feel like if you look at phones like a lot of the 48 megapixel phones, like 
together we reviewed the OnePlus 8 and OnePlus 8 Pro, right? The 48 megapixel sensor, the main one on the Pro, the IMX689 from Sony, that thing is killer. Like that sensor with Google's know-how would be incredible. Exactly. And, and the thing is, its specs are super impressive. And I had such high hopes and it is a solid camera, but you can't compare it to the Pixel camera. You can't. You can't. That's exactly it. And so, you know, the thing that's interesting to me about the Poco F2 Pro is that if you are a US customer and you are like willing to take chances and buy this from GearBest, I'm not saying that because GearBest is shady or anything. I'm just saying like you're you're willing to go spend $500 on a phone that probably doesn't support 5G in the US and, you know, might be difficult to return and get repaired or whatever. Why would you not spend an extra, I guess two, it's almost $200, yeah to get the OnePlus 8, not Pro, the 8, right? And then you get really 5G and you get the support. And you also don't get the Xiaomi software, which is improved a lot over the years, but it's still very Chinese, you know what I'm saying? Like very skinned. Yeah. Well, you just pretty much convinced anyone listening not to buy that phone. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, look, I actually don't mind. Like I remember TCL is a Chinese company and their skin is very lightweight. And I just reviewed the uh, Oppo Find X2 Pro for hot hardware. And the, it, you know, it's essentially the more expensive version of the OnePlus 8 Pro. It has, it's the same display, the same main camera. It has this crazy periscope telephoto instead, and it's made of vegan leather and gold. And it's super fancy. But you look at that phone and it's skinned, right? It's much more skinned than OnePlus. It's it's Oppo's, you know, ColorOS. And it's so much better than last year's ColorOS. Like they've really toned it down and it's super fast. So I'm not discounting them. Like, I don't want to discount Poco and Xiaomi. Xiaomi's really improved their skin. So has Oppo and Vivo. It's just that they're a little behind still, you know? In the same way as I feel like LG is still yeah. got a lot of work to do in uh, in terms of of, uh, of software. And that actually segues us dun, 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 into the LG Wing, which is rumored to be this crazy phone. I really hope this rumor is true because with all due respect to LG, I am sick of that dual screen. <laughs> oh my God, I am so sick. I read your review of the V60, by the way, and you seem to praise it. I'm like, I was not happy with the V60. I felt that LG missed the mark. I feel like they're sitting on their laurels. I mean, it's the price is good, but it feels like that phone was custom made for carriers, not for consumers. It feels like... They came to, to Verizon or somebody and said, hey, we're making this phone. It's a flagship. It's got all these specs. And then Verizon goes, no, drop the telephoto. We don't need that. Uh, oh, oh, um, no, no. We don't want a 120 hertz display or 90 hertz. Um, let's drop it down to 60. Oh, it's a 6.8 inch display. Ah, 1080p is good enough. Uh, <laughs> you, I think you're probably right. Um what I what for me what I praised about it was that it still is the best LG phone that I've seen from them in years, um, and for a situation where you're you're gaming, you're at home, you're in quarantine, I think it's a great device. Yeah, the dual screen can be very beneficial right now, but it makes the phone like so bulky. Like I don't see somebody being mobile with that phone. You know, absolutely what I'm saying? not. Case, yeah. Right? That, so the, really, the use case scenarios for the phone is gamers. And yep. someone who's like, you know, stuck in quarantine, they're not, they're not running around outside with it. If you're, if you're mobile and you're out all the time, you don't want that phone. Right. 
And so what's your take on this wing? Like, I'm trying to understand how the mechanism works on that. Like, I guess when it's closed up, the top screen rotates back to be aligned with the bottom screen. And then when it, it's like, kind of like a sidekick in a way, but instead of going all the way, it only goes part of the way. Wow, I love the sidekick. You're bringing back fond memories <laughs> for me. Um, honestly, I think this design is ludicrous um, and most likely not practical. But um, I like seeing LG innovate finally because they're—I mean—they're a display company, and yet they haven't really done much with folding phone concepts. No. Um, and I—I I always thought that they were going to be one of the first out of the gate, and. I do understand why they focused on the dual screen. It's more affordable than a folding phone. It's more uh, it's more stable, but there's just not enough demand for it. Um, so I I hope I hope that this rumor just means that they are experimenting with folding phone concepts. Not that I necessarily want to see this one. Right. I it's funny because I I see it differently. I think that um, and somebody tweeted this and maybe it influenced my decision, but. Somebody tweeted, I can't remember, one of the journalists we know tweeted that, oh, I guess this is another sign that LG is really not interested in making a folding phone. They, they're trying every form factor there mm. is except the real folding phone, which for LG is surprising because, as you know, they're a display maker. They make flexible OLEDs and they're in Samsung land. They're a Korean company. Their immediate competitor in house in their own country is Samsung, who is gung-ho about folding phones. And they haven't, I don't even think LG showed a prototype yet. It, it seems like LG just, they keep trying to reinvent the wheel, trying to do something quirky and something different. And I can understand that strategy to a certain extent. It, you know, it takes a lot to stand out, but they keep failing when they keep trying to, to reinvent the wheel. They'd be better off Taking the you know the 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 Flip Z concept, the Moto the Moto Razor concept, and just trying to do it better. Yeah, because right now we need more competition in that field. I think because that's the most sorted folding phones we have. Like uh, specifically the Z Flip. I think that I've used the Z Flip for a week or so. I I bought one and returned it because I couldn't really get a review in it and I couldn't really afford to keep it. But man, man, it felt like the future. I, I could not allow, bring myself to, to buy that phone either uh, because I just, I knew that at the end of the day, I'm going to still be using the Pixel as my main phone um, and the camera just won't be good enough. But I loved the Z Flip. I, I think it's a great phone. And it's such a great phone that I could, I could overlook the Samsung overlay <laughs> for it. Well, One UI has gotten better. I feel like, you know, it's still very skinned. Again, like, you know, see, we complain about the Chinese skins, but I feel like ColorOS, on, which is Oppo now, and um, MIUI, which is Xiaomi, Poco, and Redmi, and let's see what else there is. Uh, you know, the general Chinese phone makers' skins have evolved because they're getting more global. They're, they're selling in India and stuff now. And they're competing with, you know, kind of pure Android more. And so they're realizing that they can't be just copycats of the iPhone experience, which flies in China because there's no Google services, right? right? But in our, in our world, it doesn't. And I think that, you know, honestly, I feel like some of the Chinese skins are no more offensive than what LG and Samsung are doing. And Samsung's improved a lot. Like, I feel like One, One UI is pretty clean. It's... Still Samsung y, but it's not. Do you remember TouchWiz? Oh, God, yeah. So, yeah. So, this thing looks crazy. It's a rumor, it's a concept. We don't know what's happening, but it seems to me have you noticed in the last few weeks that LG has been teasing something 
or accidentally, quote unquote, leaked something mm-hmm. every m- week because the, they, they took like five weeks or four weeks to leak the LG Velvet which we've discussed on the podcast, pretty much I think every single episode of the podcast in the last five weeks. Finally launching it last week in in, uh, in Korea. And then this week we get this weird thing. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, at least you're getting attention from the media that way. That's pretty cool. Well, companies do that all the time. They purposely leak devices to get, to get you know, yeah, uh, excitement totally. buzzing. So uh, let's see how this pans out. Um, interesting design. I kind of like it, honestly. I mean, any kind of form factor that breaks the mold of a normal glass and aluminum square in your hand or a plastic square, if you're looking at the <laughs> TCL-10L, is is uh, is good in my book. I, I mean, I think we need to experiment. And yes, as much as we all need $400 phones right now because we really need to be able to afford them in this time of crisis, innovation should stop. We should have, you know, companies should continue pushing and as you said, that's why TCL's folding and concept phones are so interesting because we know that when they finally make one, it's going to be much more reasonable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Huawei P30 Pro, do you remember that phone from last year? Of course. Awesome, right? It was, it was a really nice phone. We were in Paris together. It was good times before coronavirus <laughs> when we could get in these metal tubes in the sky and go places. When Google Play services, Google mobile services were still on Huawei phones, ah, uh, 2019. So I, I, you have to, you're probably gonna have to explain this to me. So they came out with this edition as kind of like a workaround because they're still able to. Correct. Wow, that's crazy. So the stipulation for GMS is that you have to have the same processor. And there's a few other things like display, like a few things cannot change, but things like cosmetics, Colors, chassis shape, uh, amount of RAM, amount of storage, cameras. There's some wiggle room there. So they basically are stuck with this phone for a while. Yeah. So what does Huawei do? This is the news item. I'll link to it. It's on The Verge. By the way, I'll link to all the things we discussed so far. There's a bunch of articles from Engadget and from my, my review on hot hardware of the 10 series from TCL, etc. But this, this story on The Verge is basically about Huawei reissuing the P30 Pro called the New Edition. P30 Pro New Edition. It's at least in Germany so far. And it's got GMS, you know, the mobile services from Google. And the reason, the way they were able to do that is they pumped the RAM up and the storage up and they gave it that super awesome silver color from the P40 Pro. So, you know, it's kind of like a premium play of re- revisiting of an old phone. Not bad, not bad. I mean, if you want a Huawei phone right now that has a great camera and does work on Google, this is the one to buy if you want a brand new one and has lots of storage and stuff. That's it. Pretty much if you're if you're a, a, a non-Chinese user and you want a Huawei phone, this is what you get. That's pretty much it because there's really not much. Let's see, I'm trying to figure out. So the display is the same. The processor is the same. It's the Kirin 980, not 990. And... I'm looking at, I think they're, they bumped the storage. Yeah, so it's got 256 gigs of storage. And there is no sign of 128 gigs or 512 gigs. So it's, it's just bumped up. And yeah, no more RAM or anything even. So it's, I was hoping they would tweak a few more things. Maybe put the P40 camera in there for fun, but no. But it's a clever, it's a clever thing. It's a clever thing. But okay, here's a question for you, Elena. Isn't this... 
Huawei admitting that they really do need GMS? <laughs> it is. Like, I kind of want to have that conversation with the PR folks at Huawei. Go like, okay, guys, how how do you explain this to people now? Like, you know, I thought you were all gung-ho on HMS, you know, Huawei Mobile Services, and and like doing your own thing and taking your own path, but now you're confusing us with this, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel, you know? I think this is also probably like an experiment slash like a like a test for them to see how it how it sells. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, if you're in Europe, uh, apparently this is so far being seen in some European uh, retailer. You know, I, I don't think this is... I think it's been confirmed now because last week I saw this, but it was a rumor. So it's 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 real now, but... It's, I think, a Euro thing. So if you're in Europe and you like your Huawei P30 Pro and you didn't get one last year, but the question is, why wouldn't you buy a used one at that point? Like a really good condition used one. That's a good point. And you probably get a better deal. Yeah. I mean, unless you want that crazy silver color, which is the color from the P40 Pro applied to the P30 Pro. I'm, I'm not into that color personally. No. <laughs> I, pre I prefer a, a snazzy gradient. Yeah, snazzy gradients. Mmm, snazzy gradients. So there's a couple of pieces of Moto news. I only threw them in there because I recently reviewed the Moto Edge Plus for hot hardware. And initially, Moto said that it would only get Android 11. So it ships with Android 10. But when pressed, we were told the Edge Plus will support like Android 11 when it's available from Google. And then they wouldn't commit to anything beyond that. And now they officially reached out to us this week with this news that everybody pretty much, I think, picked up, which is like, well, we're going to support two upgrades, two versions, up to Android 12. So you sh if you buy the Edge Plus today, you means you'll get Android 11 and then Android 12 in a couple of years, maybe a couple of years, maybe two and a half years. But here's the thing, right? You, you've been around the block long enough, like I have, to know that sometimes they promise stuff. And I'm not just... I'm not pointing fingers at Moto specifically here, although Moto's done this, so. Hmm. But you know that sometimes they promise things and then they undo their promises, right? Yeah. And my gut feeling, call me cynical, is that the Edge Plus is not selling very well. I can't imagine that it is. Right. And then they're like, oh, how can we sweeten the pot a little bit? People love the stock Android experience on this phone. So maybe if we give them more OS updates. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I mean, I'm personally underwhelmed by the Edge Plus. It, it seems like a nice phone, but it doesn't have an edge over the other flagships. Correct. And the biggest problem is that it actually doesn't have, it has an anti-edge. It is the reverse of an edge. It has a divot. And the divot is Verizon exclusive. Uh, Motorola and Verizon. Uh. Like, you know, if you read my review, Elena, but there's so much crapware on that phone. I swear there were 24 apps I had to uninstall or disable. Wow, that's just unacceptable. And like we're talking like not just like Verizon's usual stuff. Moto didn't really have anything on there. There was a bunch of Google stuff, of course. But I, those weren't a problem. It was Verizon stuff and then it was like Amazon, the entire suite of Amazon apps. Like you're going to say, well, that's kind of useful. But yeah, yeah. But in principle, I can add these from the Play Store. I don't need them pre-installed. Netflix was pre-installed. Um which is fine. Um, but like, what else was it? Oh, like a half a dozen games. And we're not talking about like really good games like PUBG or something. We're talking about like crappy Candy Crush type games. And don't get me wrong, Candy Crush is a great game. I'm just saying like that kind of super casual, you know. 
that doesn't seem to me to be acceptable when it's a phone that costs as much money as this phone costs. Like exactly. on a high-end phone, you shouldn't be getting that much bloatware. And and in my review on hot hot hardware, I said that I was like, not only that, but like this phone has five G, right? It supports T-Mobile and AT&T's low band, but because it's locked to Verizon, you can't use it on those bands. Yet Verizon has no low band. Verizon only has millimeter wave, which, as you know, as a New Yorker, is in like three blocks or something. If you happen to be right under the post on a good day with the wind blowing the right direction, so you're paying a thousand dollars for five G that you can barely get anywhere in the U.S. I don't get this phone. They should have sold this phone unlocked at the same time as Verizon because getting this exclusive from Verizon is just them bending over for Verizon because like they have this long-term relationship they've had. Like, come on. They did that with the Razer as well. Made, made it an exclusive. Yeah. I don't get it. Speaking of the Razer, ha, nice segue there, Elena. So this is interesting because they didn't send me this news. They sent me the Edge Plus news, I guess because I reviewed the freaking phone. But Moto somehow never sent me the Razer news. The Razer got Android 10 because it shipped with Android 9. So finally, the Android 10 update is available. And they added some new features to make the front display more useful. There's actually now a full-on keyboard on the front display. You can actually use the phone closed now, almost fully, which is interesting considering the Z Flip has like a thumbnail-sized display at the bottom that's completely useless. So I guess they're kind of leveraging their differentiating feature hoping to sell more phones, but they didn't lower the price. They only made a gold one available. Like, who cares? I mean, that phone has been so problematic. So many reviewers had that, had it break. I, I did not review the, the Razer, but I did play with it. And when I played with it the first time, I was just like, I'm like, I'm in love. <laughs> I, I, I was just so smitten with it. Me too. My initial impressions were like, this is incredible. So I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that our colleagues did not think very highly of it once they actually spent time with it it um, sounded horrible like the the hinge was like i mean i i heard it like it's bad <laughs> but yeah like going back to what you're saying so now they they've updated it and i'm glad that they're not a, like they are updating it and bringing new features and bringing the os update those are that's all important but they need a price drop like who they are they do. kidding yeah they want to do they want to sell more of these or not they need a price drop and they somehow need to address the fact that, you know, so many reviewers had problems with their review units on the thing that is the most, you know, scrutinized, which is the folding screen. Um, and I believe, I want to believe that that was just, you know, maybe a first, a first batch that was bad, but we have not really had a chance to get a convincing official stance on this from the company. Like, there's been a lot of PR BS around this. And it always, you know, pushes my buttons and raises my alarm bells, uh, my red flags when I see PR not being straight up about what's going on, you know? Well, we never, we never run into that sort of situation, do we? Never. Ah, so much sarcasm on this show. Oh, yeah. Well, so anyway, Moto's doing stuff. <laughs> Check it out. I think right now, if you want a Moto product, buy the G Power. It's fantastic. You know, it would be, a, as I said, it'd be a tough call between the 10L from TCL and the G Power from Moto right now. And the G Power is better for audio. The 10L is better for imaging, like, I'm not imaging. I mean, media consumption. But they're both really great. And 
I like I like that Moto is continuing to you know push that mid range, but I also feel that they're not as maybe as innovative in that field as they used to be. Like they're kind of maybe sitting on their laurels a little bit. Um, I mean it's it's very competitive there. So you know you have to remember in China, like we're not there, we don't care. But like even not China, you go to India, go to Hong Kong, places where Google services matter. You can buy with two hundred and fifty dollars. You can buy an incredible phone. Like you can buy something way better than the G series. You know? Yeah. And we don't see those here because you have to import them through gray market importers and stuff. But like that Poco phone, uh, the first gen of it, the F one that I told you was three hundred and fifty dollars or less than that. I think it was three hundred at the end. So yeah, that's the Moto news. Have you played with the G series at all this year? I haven't. Um, it's been a while. Well, we need to get them to send you some. Uh, I think the last time I played the G series was when they had a launch in New York, which uh, yeah. would I think be the G seven. Yeah. Yeah. G seven Power, G seven, and G seven Plus. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of five G and affordable and chips and things that make five G affordable and possible. And affordable is a big question mark here, but Qualcomm quietly, without notifying anybody ahead of time and any kind of embargo or anything, just launched, just put it out there that they have a new 5G chip called the Snapdragon 768G. So, yeah, I, I was surprised when I saw this news. I was like, hey, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, I pinged them and I was like, was there a briefing I missed? They're like, no. I was like, okay. Um, so, Let's go back to the times, to the better times when we used to be able to get on airplanes. Remember those things? I don't think I, people even know how to use them anymore now. <laughs> it sounds like a far, far away But story. When, when we could, we went to Maui again for the big Qualcomm tech conference. And they launched the Snapdragon 865, which is the flagship chip we see in every flagship today. And then that has 5G with a separate chip, like X55 modem. Together, they make all the 5G happen. And it's great, and it's very expensive. And that's why we see these price hikes on the OnePlus 8 and the OnePlus 8 Pro, you know, because it's expensive of that technology. But there's also another chip that so far has not shipped on any US-bound phone, or in fact, on any phone. There's been rumors of a bunch, maybe there is one or two in Asia, but, it's mostly, I think, that was Qualcomm's bet for staying relevant in China. It was a Snapdragon 765, which has a built-in 5G modem. You don't need a separate chip. And then there's a G version for graphics, for gaming, which is like slightly better GPU called the Snapdragon 765G. And so this 768G is a slight bump in specs over the 765G. Yeah, you know, now that you mention it, I, I am wondering why we didn't see more phones with the 765. Um, it's like a phone like the Moto Razr would have done so well with it. <laughs> yeah, it has a 730, which is the previous generation of that, but doesn't have 5G. So I don't know. I, I so I asked them when I when you know I emailed Qualcomm and I said, hey, you know, was that was that some beefing I missed? And by the way, where are the phones? And they're like, stay tuned. And I was like, okay. And uh, I also ask about where the phones would be for the 768G since it's the new chip. They said stay tuned. So there you go. Stay tuned, folks. We're going to get some phones. And so in case you're wondering why this matters, it's a price point thing, right? Like if you can get a 5G phone that's cheaper because the chip is cheaper, then everybody benefits, especially in these crazy times. 
if you look at AT&T and T-Mobile's low-band 5G footprint right now, it's really good. Like, I get 5G in Portland here on both T-Mobile and AT&T, and I get 5G in San Francisco on AT&T, and I just have to cross the bay to Oakland to get 5G on T-Mobile. So my point is that it's real, it's there, and it's ubiquitous because it's low-band. doesn't have to be near the telephone pole or something like you have to with millimeter wave. So I want to see these phones. One of the phones that is announced, by the way, the 765, is the TCL 10 5G, which is like the 10L that I just reviewed, but with a Snapdragon 765 and a 5G chip in it. So that's exciting, you know? Yeah, I think that this chip has a lot of a lot of promise. Yeah, and so interesting that they will launch one that's slightly better. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. But chips matter right now a lot for making 5G phones and having the you know having more choices and more affordability is important. And that actually segues with us into another announcement that happened very quietly last week which was MediaTek launching a new Dimensity chip. Dimensity is a line of 5G chips. And so they have the Dimensity 1000, and then they got out with the Dimensity 800, which was like a cheaper version. And now we have a Dimensity 1000 Plus. So I think it's just bumped up in specs a little. And again, I think there's only one Dimensity 1000 phone available right now in the world. Wow. I might be wrong, but it's the Oppo Reno 3. So that's not a lot. And so again, I think a lot of these chips are only are gonna have to ramp up a little bit before we start seeing phones. I think, Elena, next year in 2021, when hopefully this madness that we live in now is over, we're gonna see a lot more $500-ish 5G phones. And maybe even on some $350-ish 5G phones. Because these chips will be shipping in quantities by then, I hope. I, I think so too, and I think that demand for that mid range for the mid range is just going to grow. It's only going to continue because yes, if you have the if you're a baller like as I said in my Oppo Find X2 Pro review, thirteen hundred dollar phones that easily competes with the P40 Pro in terms of imaging, okay, and this competes with the Galaxy S20 Ultra as well. That phone is for ballers. Like you want a OnePlus 8 Pro that's over the top, you go to the Oppo Find X2 Pro, and then you get your even crazier OnePlus 8 Pro on, right? But not everybody is a baller. And who does, you know, why do you want even want to spend $1,000 on a phone? Like, I bought an iPhone 11, not Pro, and I don't, honestly, now that I've used it for a few months, mostly as a camera for video recording for my, my YouTube channel, I'm just like, why would I have even considered buying an 11 Pro? I, I, I don't need anything more than this. And that's yeah. a $700 phone. And then the argument can be made, of course, for the iPhone SE, right? $400 being good enough for most people, right? Absolutely. And the fact that Apple did that, they just <laughs> they just kind of destroyed, not destroyed, but they took a big bite out of that mid-range market. They did. And they did it in a way that is sneaky because really they recycled so many parts that it's really cost-effective for them, right? It, but it's also good in a way because I feel that I kind of feel like the mid-range Android market was starting to get stale. Um, and now companies are going to be forced to get more competitive and to innovate more in that space, which is better for the consumers, especially now that the economy is what it is. For sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of Apple, there's been rumors. I've been avoiding talking about this for the on the podcast. These rumors have been festering for a few weeks now. And I finally am at the point where I feel like we have something to talk about. Um, Apple is rumored to be working on AirPods Studio, which are going to be over-the-ear headphones, like not earbuds, basically. Uh, does that have you excited? 
Uh, it does. I I'm actually a longtime Beats fan. Ah, uh, did yeah. not know that about you. Um, and I, I've, 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 you know, I've been testing their headphones since since the beginning, and they've gotten really good since Apple bought them. Uh, I think that they're some of the best headphones on the market. So it it's really kind of about time that Apple utilized Beats and merged the two in some way that made sense and over-ear headphones, on-ear headphones, that's, that makes absolute sense. So I hope this isn't, I hope this is rumor is accurate and I don't see why it wouldn't be. No, I don't, I think that's definitely coming. The rumors are strong and they've been around. My biggest beef with Beats has always been the sound quality. I do not like bass heavy headphones. I feel that even the High-end beats just don't sound very good to me. Have you tried some of their recent headphones? No, I haven't. I'm so in love with my Sony noise-canceling headphones, my WH-1000MX3s, which is what I use when I'm traveling. And right now on the podcast, I use like wired, bare dynamic, like big studio headphones that are, you know, not that expensive really, but that are very different than what you would wear. Uh, for noise cancelling on a plane or something, you know? Well, Sony is is killing it with their headphones and their noise cancelling. I mean, I think it's the one of the best pair of the headphones I've ever used in my life, and I've used a lot of them. So. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I especially love their wireless earbuds. I think they're the best wireless earbuds on the market. Um, that said, Beats is not actually that bass-heavy anymore. Um, they're actually a lot more balanced, so you need to try out some of their more recent headphones uh, to see right. what I mean. Because I, I don't like bass heavy either. I will do it. Because that was my biggest gripe. And I knew that when they're acquired by Apple that things might improve. So uh, interesting features this thing is supposed to have. Of course, it's supposed to be able to detect that you take them off your ears. But not just by the ear cups leaving your ears. But also by the headband resting on your neck. Which I think is interesting. Because there's a whole bunch of you know noise-canceling wireless headphones out there. That when you take them off like you lift them off your ears, they detect that, you know, you're no longer on your ear because they have a little light sensor in there, infrared sensor, kind of the same sensor that detects that your phone is stuck to your ear when you make a phone call and turns off the display, you know? They have that in there on most headphones nowadays. But this is would be complemented by a neck sensor, so you can send, you could, they would know for sure if you were on your neck or not, right? Rather than like temporarily picking them off of your ears because you're adjusting your, you know, your sweaty ears. <laughs> Um, but the other thing that I've always wondered why nobody does this on headphones is apparently you won't have a left and a right. So right. you'll be able to put them on any way you want and it'll figure out which is your left ear and which is your right ear automatically. I actually, I've also thought about that over time. I'm like, why does it matter? Why do I have to like pay attention to what's on the left and what's on the right? Well, as an engineer, I can tell you it's a very technically difficult challenge, right? You, you have to pretty much detect the shape of the ear. And so the way they're going to be doing this is like some of the technology using the AirPods Pro, where they're able to fine tune it to your ear, you know, they can do that. And then like basically like sonar, right? They just like send a little pulse of sound that we can't hear because it's like the dogs can hear it and then they can measure your ear's shape and they can go oh that's the left ear mm. because you know our, our ears are like raised more on the back than the front right so then they'll be able to detect it and i think that's what they're going to do and that way you don't doesn't matter how you wear them they'll always have the right channel on the right and the left channel on the left it'll be great i like that because i'm lazy yeah, and uh, there's nothing worse than listening to an entire album backwards and you're like, oh, that's not how they meant it to be, you know? I don't know. 
I, I think of weird things like that because you're you're an, you're an audiophile. Well, maybe I don't know. I'm one of those cranky audiophiles. I feel like <laughs> spending too much money on audio is silly, but at the same time, I expect a certain like baseline level of performance. And if I don't get that, I'm gonna be cranky. Damn it! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, it's your job to be cranky. Exactly. That's why you hire me to write reviews. Exactly. So yeah, I think we covered everything. Um, it was really interesting reading your V60 review. I, I really find it's interesting how different people have a different perspective. That phone is very polarizing, you know? And um, I mean, the OnePlus is a slam dunk, I think, this year, the 8 and the 8 Pro. Uh, for me, the 8 Pro is really it. I get the 8, but I've considered that you can buy a 7T for $499 right now. Until the 8 comes down in price or the 7T drops off, or they introduce that, that awesome OnePlus Z or OnePlus 8 Lite or whatever it's going to be called, right? I think that you, if you're going to buy OnePlus right now and you don't really, and 5G doesn't matter to you, which I think is most people, buy the 70, you know? I, I wouldn't buy a mid range phone now unless you're like desperate. You can't wait. Correct. And then, though, man, the Google 4A, the Pixel 4A, I just can't wait for that thing. So, last year's 3A was such a delight of a phone for the money. You know, it wasn't very pretentious, which, you know, is for some people very good, but I like my phones to be a little more flashy. But they also recently dropped the, they, there's been sales on the, on the Pixel 4. Oh, it's $299 right now, all day long for the 3A. Yeah. You'd be that, crazy not to buy one. That and also, phone, yeah, and the, and the Pixel 4 also dropped in price. So I think the Pixel yeah. 4 now has a price that it kind of should have had to begin with. That's totally um, true. That's totally true. And it's a great phone. I, I yeah. you know, I, I'm still using the Pixel every day. Um, even though it doesn't have the best display, even though it's not the fastest phone, the camera and the UI can't be beat. For sure. Well, listen, we've reached the end of the show. So I want you to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, your social media handles and, you know, all the love that Geekspin deserves. You want to tell them? Sure. Well, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at GeekspinCo. That's GeekspinCo. Awesome. And, uh, you know, check it out. I write some reviews there. So if you want to read my, our, the OnePlus review, well, we co-authored it. So Elena and I, the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro. And then I did the, I did a bunch of other reviews before that. So check it out. And uh, you know where to find me on the internet, folks. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character, but without the vowels. So drop the vowels and you'll get my Instagram account, my Twitter account. Twitter is a good place to discuss the podcast. If you want to interact with me, do it on Twitter. Uh, and then Instagram is a great place to look at photos. I take photos of the phones I review. I take photos with the phones I review. So you want to see photos that are mobile tech related, check out my Instagram. Finally, there's also a YouTube channel that goes with the podcast. Since the podcast is audio only, if you want visuals, like videos of unboxings, hands-ons, reviews, check out the channel, youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast. That's youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends, comments in the comments, click the little notification bell like you know how to do on YouTube. And then again, if you happen to be on this podcast, you landed on accident or you followed Helena here, subscribe to the podcast. It's mobiletechpodcast.com. And uh, we're on all the major podcasting platforms. That's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify. So you don't have to just, you know, listen on the web. You can just add it to your major favorite podcast app. And I would like if you do that, if you can rate or review the podcast, if the app you use lets you do that, please do it. It helps us a lot. 
to get your feedback and get a feel for things because podcasting is very hard to interact. There's no commenting or anything. So remember, Twitter is to comment for the podcast. And if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app, please do that. The last thing I want to mention is that we have a, I say we, it's the royal we, we and my, me and my guests, I guess. Uh, we have a link in the show notes for all the stuff we discuss, but we also have a link to donate. So if you can donate, if you can afford to give some money to support the podcast, please do so in the show notes. And then finally, I want to thank Audible, our sponsor. Audible has been with us since the early days, and Audible is really awesome. If you like books, if you're a bookworm, but for whatever reason, you can't always read a book physically or on Kindle, maybe you want to listen to one. So check out Audible. They have a great selection of books. A lot of them are read by the authors. It really is the one and only serious audiobook platform in the universe. So you ought yourself to give it a try because if you do, it supports the podcast. We have a special deal, 30-day free trial, and you get one free book at the end. You can keep one of the books if you don't stay. And there's no obligation to stay, but uh, you might want to because it's a pretty awesome thing and you might really like it when you try it. But if you do try, it supports the podcast. And there's a link for that. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Look in the show notes below and you'll find the you'll find the link as well you can click through and and sign up and support us so yeah that's it elena thank you for being on the show thanks for having me really appreciate it yeah it was fun we'll have you on again for sure uh, i hope so yes and then folks stay tuned because we'll have a show next week and uh, i'll have another guest so we'll see you then cheers everybody this has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.